welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Designers, Howls is excited to announce a brand new initiative focused on serving your specific needs as design pros. Howls Pro is a new pro-exclusive destination where you can access new tools, education, and analytics to take your business to the next level. You're invited to explore Howls Pro, which includes the brand new CRM tool to manage client inquiries, marketing to build your company brand, plus Ivy, the incredibly popular designer software for managing your business. Learn more at pro.house.com. Hi, and thanks for joining the podcast. Today, senior editor Alex Milstein, who covers technology for designers today, will be taking over the mic. Take it away, Alex. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SED Podcast. This is your senior editor, Alex Milstein, and I'll be your host today. Uh, today, my guest is Boaz Ashkenazi. He's the CEO of Simply Augmented. Um, Simply Augmented creates dynamic 3D experiences. So think product configurators and view-in-a-room 3D product models for augmented reality. Um, so if you've ever seen in AR programs, they use these 3D models. Those are the models that Boaz's company specializes in and creates. Um, so you may have heard about augmented reality because it's definitely growing in the home furnishings and interior design industry. And I actually spoke with a designer recently who told me that they used the technology and had a 98% closure rate when using it in a design presentation. So today I'm going to talk with Boaz about 3D product models, how designers can use these 3D assets, and the rise of augmented reality. So welcome, Boaz. Hey, thank you very much. It's nice to be on the show. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, so I thought we would just start with kind of an overview of 3D in the home furnishings and interior design industry and kind of what's happening right now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, to start with, you know, 3D has been around the design community for a long time. I, um, I'm an architect by training and practiced uh, many years ago. And at that time, uh, this was uh, in 2000 to 2005, you know, we were starting to see uh, the beginning of CG and 3D content. The way it played out back then, and even still today, is with 3D rendering. So a lot of interior designers are, you know, are still pretty comfortable uh, building out interior renderings, and a lot of the 3D software right now can support that. So once you have a model of an environment and mo and models of products, you know, it becomes really easy to visualize what those products look like mm -hmm. in space. What's yeah. happened a lot in the last three years, two to three years, is the introduction of real-time rendering, which is commonly referred to as augmented reality. And that allows you to not only show a rendering of the space, but literally take the products and allow your customers to drop them in the environment. 
And it's, it's that uh, ability that has really excited a lot of online retailers because it allows people to try before they buy. We're seeing metrics that supports higher conversion when uh, having 3D augmented reality related to products. We're also seeing a lot less returns. People feel much more comfortable understanding what those products are going to look like in their spaces. And we're seeing a reduction, you know, as much of as much as 40% reduction in returns when using augmented reality as part of the, the process. Wow. So speaking of CAD programs, how does, you know, this new 3D, I guess, for augmented reality and website use, how does that compare to traditional CAD design? You know, a lot of the programs that people use to create uh, real-time and high-quality 3D assets for furniture and for products, some of the same programs that uh, people have been using uh, for a while with CAD. And so Autodesk makes a product called 3D Studio Max that is commonly a software that's used for photorealistic rendering. They also make a product called Maya that's used. Uh, And there's um, third-party products that allow for applying materials to those models that are very, very realistic and allows you, when you put those objects into the world, to match against the real world. I think the biggest difference between traditional CAD, as people think about it, is that oftentimes those are wireframe models, whether they're 2D or 3D, and they don't have very realistic materials associated with them. Whereas now, you know, when you are creating an augmented reality asset, and you're dropping it into the real world, it has to match and look as close to photoreal as possible. Yeah, definitely. And I know that talk about augmented reality, you know, for the home furnishings industry started, I don't know, five years ago or so. And um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of companies jumped on that maybe too quickly without realizing that these 3D assets really need to be realistic in order for somebody to visualize the room completely. Because I know I use some of those and they look like cartoons, and yeah. it doesn't really give you a good idea of what the room looks like furnished. Yeah, absolutely. You know what else is interesting, too, is that um, there is a lot of use of these 3D models uh, for lifestyle imagery and for silhouettes. 2D imagery that makes its way onto online platforms like Wayfair, mm-hmm. and Amazon, and Overs. And once you have those 3D assets, once those products are built, they can be dropped into backgrounds. and the technology is getting so good that they really look like photographs. I'm sure you've seen those mm-hmm. before where you've, it's been hard to discern between an actual photograph and a CG rendering. And so you're starting to see those show up a lot in lifestyle imagery and manufacturers are saving a lot of costs by not having to go into a traditional photo studio to shoot their products. Right. And I think that that's something that is often overlooked when you think about 3D models is, you know, people automatically jump to augmented reality because that's kind of the buzzword when it comes you know, to 3D. But yeah. there's really so many other ways that this can help your company. Yeah. Marketing, website, just you know, so many different ways. Yeah. And one of the things that we do a lot of that is exciting is 3D configurators. You know, we've been, just as consumers, we've been really um, accustomed to customizing products on car websites, for example, where you can go through steps and customize a vehicle and then get a quote. We're starting to see that now with all sorts of products that have optionality, whether it's color options or other kinds of options, and you're able to spin those objects around. You you see this more and more on online sites now where not only can you see five thumbnails of a product, 
but you can spin those products around and you can zoom in to look at details. Yeah. And one of the metrics that are coming out from online retailers is the more uh, photos that you provide for a customer and if you give people the ability to really uh, zoom in and look at products, the higher the likelihood that they're going to buy. And 3D allows for this kind of exploration, Yeah. even if it's not dropping it into your room. Right, right. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of ways that 3D is useful in the home furnishings industry. So my question for you is, how is it useful to interior designers? And also, how can interior designers get their hands on something like this? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, a lot of times interior designers uh, within their normal practice are working with uh, either CAD or uh, other kinds of software that allow them to lay out their spaces, whether it's in 3D or 2D. That's a great starting point for being able to uh, turn those designs into photorealistic renderings or the objects themselves into photorealistic products. And so, you know, a lot of times designers, whether they're architects or interior designers, are kind of ahead of the curve because they're accustomed to, to working in 3D. The real uh, challenge is being able to apply materials to those models that look really realistic. Mm-hmm. And there's also, uh, you know, I, I sit on a group called the Kronos uh, Group, which is um, there's a working group inside that group called the 3D Commerce Working Group that's trying to develop a standard for 3D on the web and for online retail. And what we're finding is that there is a lot of um, differences between programs and in the way that they translate 3D. And so Mm -hmm. if you think about the early days of images online or video online, uh, before there was a JPEG standard, before there was an MP3 uh, and an H.264 standard, it was very, very complicated to share and distribute that content. We're seeing the same thing for 3D. So once interior designers have those 3D models, you know, we're working to establish, you know, standards so they can export those out of their programs in a really easy way. Nice. So, you know, speaking of the Kronos group, that really seems to emphasize the importance of 3D in the future now. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a while back it was kind of just, oh yeah, it's coming in the next five years, it'll be here. But now, you know, there's this giant group with members from Amazon and Wayfair and, you know, giant corporations yeah. that are really going all in on this. So to me, that really signals that this is coming and, you know, we need to be ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's exciting about it is that these big companies are sitting together to try to work through some of these issues. And, uh, you know, I co-chair one of the uh, one of the committees that uh, dealing with asset creation, kind of setting guidelines mm-hmm. for asset creation. And you've got Wayfair, you know, sitting next to Amazon, sitting next to Autodesk, sitting next to Microsoft, and everybody is is really trying to to kind of work with each other to kind of set these standards because I think they realize that consistency is going to make it easier for everybody once uh, once those things are in place. And the Kronos Group has been great because they're a, a nonprofit body that has been setting standards for uh, for technology and for 3D and for the web for a long time. And um, and so I, I think that in the next couple of years, we're going to start to see a convergence where companies like Autodesk will and the software that they make will kind of be in line with these standards. And it'll just make it easier for all designers that are already working with that software to not even have to think about it. You know, when you uh, export a JPEG or when you export uh, a 
video file for Vimeo or for YouTube. You don't even think about the conversion that's happening to make it easier for you to upload. Yeah. I think the same thing is happening in 3D, and that's where you'll really see things explode and scale. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's really exciting. Designers, HALS is excited to announce a brand new initiative focused on serving your specific needs as design pros. HALS Pro is a new pro-exclusive destination where you can access new tools, education, and analytics to take your business to the next level. You're invited to explore HALS Pro, which includes the brand new CRM tool to manage client inquiries, marketing to build your company brand, plus Ivy, the incredibly popular designer software for managing your business. Learn more at pro.house.com. Um, so I know that we touched a little bit on, you know, how um, how manufacturers can use these 3D assets. So tell yeah. me how interior designers or what different types of things, you know, interior designers yeah. can use these assets for. Yeah. So one of the things that we're seeing uh, starting is um, the ability to create room configurators. So when you think about a typical product configurator, you go onto a website, you spin a product around. There's some thumbnails on the side. You can change colors and you can experience those products uh, in 3D. Mm -hmm. Room configurators kind of take it to the next level. So imagine a three-dimensional showroom, an interior, where you have furniture laid out as you would in a normal showroom, except that on the web, you're able to uh, click on your mouse on the floor and make your way through that showroom and walk around the space and experience the space, experience the products see information about those products, maybe take them home digitally for later and drop them into your environment. But it's a much more spatial experience. And we're starting mm -hmm. to see that also for just the normal uh, design process that interior designers and architects go through as well, where they can send a link to a client, client can open up one of their spaces, make their way around, even comment on things that um, seem great or off. And, and that communication can then happen back and forth. But before uh, products or designs even go to market, that interaction can happen in 3D. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And there's a standard called WebGL that's being developed that allows for that to happen just in a normal browser. So you mm -hmm. don't have to have an app. You don't have to have a headset. You don't have to have anything special to open up your computer and explore an environment. I think that's going to be really powerful for interior designers. Yeah, that sure sounds like it. So we've been talking about, you know, how beneficial 3D and AR can be to interior designers, but how do you think that this affects the consumer? And, you know, where does the yeah. consumer play into all of this? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, we've been looking at the way that consumers experience 3D and augmented reality in a, in a few different places. So we've been giving our technology to salespeople in the field, kind of field sales, mm -hmm. so that they can go into meetings with this technology. And if a product is not physically available or it's hard to get, they can still show it at scale in the environment face-to-face. -face. And this can happen, you know, in a meeting at somebody's office or somebody's home, or it can happen in a boardroom or in a retail establishment. You know, mm -hmm. imagine being in a small retail establishment where there's not enough room for all the product, but you've got hundreds or thousands of products on your iPad or on your uh, mobile device 
that you can drop into the environment and share face to face. So we're definitely uh, definitely seeing uh, that happen, and consumers are responding to that. Yeah. But like most things online, I think everybody recognizes whether it's B two B or B two C that consumers are spending a lot more time doing research on products before they even set foot in a retail environment. Mm-hmm. And I definitely. think that's where the power is. You know, is that they can go online, they can research about it, they can spin it around, and then if they want to, they can even drop it in their backyard. Uh, we're working mm-hmm. with OWE right now on a series of uh, 3D configurators that not only allow you to spin on the website, but just take all of those, move them directly to your phone, and go into your backyard and drop those chairs you know, in the environment. I think there's a lot of power there uh, mm-hmm. to be able for consumers to be able to try before they buy. Yeah, and I would actually encourage anybody listening right now to visit the Simply Augmented website um, and scroll down a little bit to the where the OWE section is and check out that configurator because it is really cool. Yeah. So I do want to shift focus a little bit, and I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that really the the key to all of this is manufacturers are going to need to create these 3D models yeah. that designers can then use in augmented reality programs, right? Yep. So should designers be encouraging manufacturers to create these 3D models or... You know, do you think that a lot of manufacturers are in the process right now? Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of manufacturers are in the process now uh, of creating 3D models for two reasons. One, uh, Wayfair, uh, Amazon, Target, uh, they have really pushed hard to let manufacturers know that they care about 3D. And mm-hmm. so that's definitely on people's radar. I think that in the contract space and hospitality, we're hearing from a lot of designers who are pushing really hard on manufacturers to get up to speed. And so I'm even seeing small manufacturers that are you know, understanding that this is a necessity and mm-hmm. they need to build symbols, 3D symbols that are photorealistic that allow their designers to spec their products. So that's yeah. definitely happening. And so the combination of two things is driving manufacturers uh, to to know that this is, is necessary. The challenge is, is that there is a lot of product that needs to get digitized and put into 3D form. Mm. And there's a lot of materials that need to get digitized and made suitable for augmented reality in 3D form. If you think about you know, all the loom companies out there that are building materials and how those change quarter by quarter, mm-hmm. you know, to really be effective, it's, it's nice to have a configurator that can switch out between all those materials. And that matters to consumers. Okay. And uh, staying up to date with that is really a challenge, something that we're working on. And so it's a combination of the geometry, for sure, but also the materials. Right, right. And I will say one thing also about the, um, you know, what manufacturers need. One of the big questions that we always get, one of the first questions is, well, what do I need to give you to, mm-hmm. to make this happen? Yeah. Um, are pictures enough? Uh, mm-hmm. Do I need to give you CAD models? Uh, how about spec sheets? And, you know, the answer really is we can build from pictures and spec sheets at the minimum, but certainly if you're starting with some 3D content, whether it's in SolidWorks or CAD or whatever your manufacturing process looks like, that's beneficial and it saves time and saves money. Mm-hmm. But you can start from almost almost anything as long as there's a reference imagery and dimensions to be able to understand what to build. Right, right. 
Okay. So I wanted to conclude with your thoughts about the future of augmented reality, you know, just in the next, let's say like five to 10 years, specifically in the home furnishings and interior design industries. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the future. I think that 3D will become a much bigger part of the way that people work and the way that they deliver their content. I think we're in the very, very early stages. I really believe, you know, it's not even the first inning. We're still on deck. Mm -hmm. And you'll start to see more and more 3D make its way into the process. So if you start by creating 3D models in your manufacturing process, those same models will make its way to your marketing team and from there to online, from there to Mm in-store, and then onto your website directly uh, to consumer. I think in the next five to 10 years, a lot the head scratching and challenges that we face right now in file conversion and the technology itself will go away. And people won't be thinking about that. They'll just be thinking about, you know, how we streamline the process from the creation of furniture in 3D all the way through to delivery. I think the other thing that we'll start to see more and more of, and we start to see this a little bit, is in-store. The in-store experiences are going to incorporate a much more immersive technology in 3D. So you'll go into a store, be very common to have a kiosk with a big screen, touch screen, where consumers are checking out furniture for themselves, spinning it around, configuring it, customizing it, getting it to what they want, holding their phone up to the screen, transferring it to their phone so they can try it in their backyards and in their homes later. And I think you'll see a much, much more fluid uh, process with consumers getting a lot more control over uh, the buying experience. Right. And do you think that the consumers are going to expect it at a certain point? Oh, 100%. I think that they're going to, I I just think it'll be table stakes. The idea that you won't be able to try it first Mm -hmm. is is not even going to be a question. And I think it's true for not just for manufacturers and purchases, but I think it's for uh, consumers of interior design as well. You know, the idea that you would design a home or an interior space and not really see it, either in mm-hmm. a rendering or in a, an immersive experience. I mean, I, I just don't think that's going to be something people do. They won't be able to take the next step yeah. unless they're able to experience it either in a headset or on their phone or otherwise. Right. Okay. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing what the future holds. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I think that's all, Boaz. Um, I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, it was wonderful chatting with you. I'm excited about the future of this industry and um, yeah, excited that you guys are on, on the forefront of exploring some of these issues. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks again, boss. And until next time, this is Alex Milstein. Thanks so much for listening to said. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.